If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Instead, today, I got to begin the show with a hearty choo-choo. That feels good. Haven't had too many of those. I haven't even done the signature choo-choo on the social media accounts. I've just done the chugga-chugga because it hasn't felt like choo-choo. It's still, it feels like a qualified choo-choo. Is that fair? Or, or is that an unabashed choo-choo? No, no, it feels like a qualified choo-choo. It, it's, it is their, their reward for stepping up and playing two teams back-to-back who were previously undefeated in the ACC. That is, until they rolled on into the TLC double C, where you do not just stroll on in and expect to walk away with a victory. And Florida State? Uh, to their credit, these young men, these coaches, uh, they began to figure out some things. They began to to work on and, and figure out some things. One of the things they're doing better is they're keeping people off the free throw line. They're standing in front of them. They're playing better defense. Like the 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 OA act is gone. Okay, so and we predicted this. We first guessed this after that Wake Forest game. What did we come on the air and say, man? If anything, if there's one thing, it's not the losing. Losing is a byproduct. It happens for a reason, right? The losing can happen, and you can be young, and you've got room to grow, and there are reasons, not excuses, but reasons, and you can live with that if you're level-headed, and Leonard is certainly nothing if not level-headed. But what you can't forgive is a lack of effort on the defensive end. That is unacceptable. Whether you're a good team, a bad team, or not, you can move. You can choose to defend. You may not be good at it, you may struggle, you may have a height disadvantage, but not efforting to stop somebody from scoring is unacceptable. And that's what it looked like against Wake and some other teams earlier this year when they were getting blown out. I was questioning their commitment on the defensive end. I'm not questioning that now. They are committed to defending. They're not always great at it. They give oh, they're going to give up open threes. Yeah, oh, they are. Yeah. They are. But By the six-pack. Mm-hmm. But I, I would tell you that I think, honestly, uh, they, they are committed uh, to, to efforting to defend. Okay, so that's for starters. We thought we would see that, and good things come out of that. You know, when you, you, when you take that first step, as they say, in the journey of, let's say, losing weight, I mean, that's a good thing. You may have a long way to go, but you got to take that first step. you got to commit to it. 
to give yourself a fighting chance for good things to happen. So they've committed that way now, and I and I do think, uh, again, this is a terribly flawed team. They've got a lot of things they're going to have to overcome if they're in fact going to get to the NCAA tournament, let alone make any kind of a run. And I and I don't suspect that this team is capable of making any kind of a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But, but you don't know. You got to get there. And and right now, this is a fun journey to kind of watch them, um, you know, participate in because. Great things can happen along the way. And last night, nothing short of a magical moment for a kid who has not been a great player and who has had, obviously, tragedy off the court. So that part is is well known. Raekwon Evans' brother died earlier uh, this year, and, 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 and obviously that's, that's devastating. It's devastating. There's, there's no, I'm not going to dwell on it. There's nothing more to say about it. It's devastating. So I, can, I can't imagine what he's gone through. Uh, and I I separate the personal part of all of that with the play, and and I know that there's a connection, but he hasn't been a good player for Florida State. He just hasn't. And last night to see him have a moment like that, and to have a good game, and to be assertive, and to hit a big three, and to hit a big three, and to take charge and go to the basket, and to stand up there and hit those free throws, guys. He is a 71 percent free throw shooter. He's not a 97% free throw shooter. He's not a guy that, you know, you look at the ends of basketball games over the years, certain guys get fouled, and you're like, well, this is, I don't care if there's no time. He's hitting both. It's Steph Curry. He's not going to miss them. You know, whatever it might be, right? there. And then there are others, 68%, 72%. You're like, well, he's 71%, and most of these are taken when there are ideal circumstances. It's tied at 17 in the first half. Not .8 seconds left to win the game. First of all, it wasn't tied when he stepped to the line. So this isn't like kicking a 56-yard field goal with the game tied. Still a great accomplishment, but if you miss, no big deal. You're not losing the game. We're going to overtime. In this case, you've got to go to the free throw line. You have got to make one. And to be honest with you, we all know the one you got to make is the first one because if you miss that first one, you're not making that second one. Not with the game on the line to be tied un- after watching, visually seeing a miss like that. You, it's, it's, you're capable, but you've just made it that much more difficult. So that first one, with, and, and I was in the arena last night, uh, me and my good buddy Andy Mahoney, owner of Orange Theory Fitness, we went together and had a great time watching this game. And, uh, and he stepped to that free throw line, and you could hear a pin drop. I've never been in a, cir- a circumstance like that. I, when I played basketball, I never, I never had to shoot a free throw with less than a second in the quiet arena. That never happened, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I can't imagine what that feels like. I, I mean, I'm nervous sitting there, not just because I want my team to win. I'm nervous for the kid. I'm like nervous for the guy. Of the two free throws, the first one was a cleaner. Oh, too. it was just drawers. Yeah, there was no Straight doubt about it. Drawers. Yeah, and his body language. That's the one thing where you know I was at home watching this particular game. And um, when he was fouled, there was the quote, and, and I saw Ira put that out on, on Twitter today at Ira Chaffel, that Malik Osborne approached Raekwon. Game time. And, yes, that was the response that Raekwon gave him. And Malik said, oh, I don't have to tell you a thing. Okay, you're ready. And you could see that. And oh, even Leonard buddy. remarked on it. Leonard remarked body on language. it in the postgame that he loved everything about Raekwon's body language in that moment. And you, on TV, they cut to him a close-up shot right away. There are times when you look in a kicker's eyes or a free throw shooter's eyes. And you go, nope. Or Sean McKeel's eyes. <laughs> not in that one PGA championship, but maybe the next year at Augusta, and right. this putts for 65. It's not going down. You can see it. 
You could see it in everything the way, about the way right. they carry themselves. Right. They need to get lucky to succeed. Right. Raekwon was the opposite Yo, of that. Raekwon that stepped up as if he knew this is a wonderful moment that's about to occur for me and my teammates. This is a great situation. How lucky am I to be in a position to get to shoot these two free throws so that I can get to be a part of a win like this over our rivals and and provide this kind of joy for my teammates, obviously for myself, but my coaches and these fans. That's the way he stepped to the line. Now that is so much easier to say than to ever do. Like, it's cheesy. It's a Hallmark movie. It's like, that stuff doesn't happen. But that is, it, that's exactly the way he looked. Like, oh, well, I'm the lucky one. I get to shoot these two free throws and tell these boys to go on home. But the best part is that capped the, the entirety of a game, which was a roller coaster affair. Great. That must have been an unbelievable atmosphere. In, in the beginning, it sounded like the fans were kind of feeling out the situation. Yeah. And then we go yeah. on the 11-0 run, and from there, the student section was Locked palpable through the, through the sound bar in my home all night. But yet, at that moment, Miami takes the lead. It's an 8-0 run, whatever it is, and it looks like, oh, okay. Well, the and then ask that three is like, are you kidding me, yeah. Lucky? Yeah. Right. And then we respond with 11-0. From that point on, that game was a roller coaster affair. It was in doubt the whole way. It was awesome. It was awesome. Just, yeah. I mean, unbelievable to watch, and we got the finish. We have so many of those, too. Like, we're starting to get especially, really spoiled. Especially you, at home, yeah. You look at the home record over the last four That's seasons, insane, and, yeah. and you're already spoiled. But if you think about all of these razor-thin margin games, I mean, we could probably list 10 of them in the last four years that have come down to either a big shot to force overtime or a big shot in overtime, a defensive stand, a final second heave at the basket for the opponents that doesn't go in, goes off back iron. I mean, as I'm listing these you know, kind of ideas in my head, I can think of it. Notre Dame, Purdue, Louisville multiple times, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, this game last night. And oh, yeah. we come out on the winning end of so many of those. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, well, coach teams find a way to do that a lot of times, and 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 I always bring that up because um, you don't win all those overtime games in a row if you're not prepared to win those games, and you're not coached up, and you don't win and rattle off wins at an elite level against the creme de la creme of the ACC uh, over the last handful of years at a at a rate that uh, few can can well really nobody else can can touch in terms of the home wins uh, it is it is remarkable unless you're well coached and they are uh, by the way i want to read that quote from raekwon evans he was asked about the game and about those shots those free throws moment was huge we've been dealing with a lot of adversity both team wise and in my personal life but just to be able to be in that moment and to be there with my brothers it was just a great team win and i'm glad we got that team win because it's something we can build on um, one of the things that came out here is that he's he's worked through meditation. And I find this subject fascinating, and I'm not going to go down that road in a long diatribe about this. I have failed in my own life uh, uh, attempting to, to meditate. I have wanted to incorporate that in my life. And the benefits uh, are, are scientifically proven. This is not an opinion. And many of, if not all of, uh, your elite athletes, those that go on to play big-time Power 5 basketball, golf, football, whatever it might be, and then go actors, act, CEOs, whatever it might be, right? So many musicians, you name it, performers oftentimes under a bright spotlight and intense pressure with a lot on the line uh, choose to incorporate meditation in their personal life as a means of coping and really regulating their breathing. And your great sports psychologists and those that uh, – 
work with Florida State football and golf and, and, and others. I, I happen to, to be a friend with one of these doctors who works with LSU, Alabama professional teams, PGA Tour players, as well as Florida State. Uh, interviewed him many times on Beyond the Tips. And he's a former LSU player. He made it to the College World Series. He was a pitcher. He talks about the benefits of uh, being able to regulate your breathing and control the moment and be in the moment. You're trying to be where your feet are, and it's very difficult to do because I get stuck, and I think a lot of people do. My mind races incessantly. Most people do. Trying to quiet the mind is a very difficult thing. We've all, in one way or the other, either via meditation or something else, tried to do this. Uh, your mind is a rat trap. Uh, we are constantly uh, distracted. Uh, think about how People are forced to multitask today instead of being really in the moment, completing a task and moving to something else, right? We've got a phone going, music going, a device going, our computer up. We're talking to somebody. All these things are happening. And so your brain is a million different places. So it makes sense that if you were to try to slow it down and you shut all of that off, your brain's not going to instantly be like, oh, okay, cool. Mm, no, that's not going to happen. It's like, i got to go here. i got to pay this bill. i got to pick this up. What time is it? You know, all that stuff. I think it's so difficult. It's cool to hear him say that or them to talk about this, that he's been able to do that. It's helped him in his personal life, and it helped him in that moment because oftentimes if you can find a way to be where your feet are and to be of the moment in the moment, What if that moment is as daunting as that one? What if all of a sudden you calm everything, you clear the mechanism, and all of a sudden you're standing there with confronted with the one reality? If I miss this free throw, we lose. (laughs) That, well, I would be a little pissed. I was able to shut all of this out. It's working. I got here. I've, I've quieted the fans. I don't hear the Miami players talking junk. I'm not even thinking about what my own coach just said. I am here. I am of the moment. I can't believe I've accomplished it. Okay, what do we have to do? Holy moly. This is heavy, man. That's part of the meditation, though, is just to think of the simplicity of the task I know, itself. I know. You know, even for a 71% free throw shooter in the NCAA, Raekwon Evans, in, you know, you go to a shoot around and you play a free throw game, I'm sure he can make 50 in a row. You know, I so don't know you, about 50 in a row, uh, but you know what I mean. I, I do. The I greater do. point, it would, yeah. it would be better than 71 out of 100 he would make if yeah. he just went to a shoot-around and not in a particular not game. Not in a game, yeah. But if you if you think about it that way, that there's just happened to be a whole lot of people here, but here's the shot. I mean, that's what he was able to do. Yeah, he fell back into the pre-shot routine, and that is big in golf. It's huge. They do it all the time. right? You see every one of these guys have the same exact, I'm not saying to each other, but of themselves, they have their same routine, whatever it might be, whatever you latch onto. One of the things, uh, you know, for years, uh, Evan Longoria, for example, when he was at the height of his powers uh, with the Rays, I remember reading an interview, and this uh, it stuck with me because, once again, I've always been interested in learning more about breathing and meditation and all that. Longoria said that he would step out of the box. You see, we watch batters. They all have their routines. Nobody was worse than Nomar Garcia Parra with the gloves. It was unbelievably infuriating, right? But it doesn't have to be, it can't, it doesn't have to be a bunch of gyrations. For him, he said, I always stepped out of the box before seeing the first pitch. Whatever game plan I had to go through in my head for this pitcher, right? I'm sitting you know, low and away. I'm sitting you know, fast or, or, or soft, whatever it might be, right? I'd ste- I reminded myself of what the game plan was, stepped out of the box, and stared at the left field foul pole. And he was asked, why do you do that? And he said, because every stadium in Major League Baseball has a left field foul pole. 
So it's not, there's no variable. Any stadium, now they may be configured differently out there, but there is always going to be a left field foul pole. Always. So I know that if I step out wherever it is, even if it's above a wall or whatever, there's a pole. There is one. And I can step out and I can physically look. I know that's going to be there and I can repeat it no matter if we're home or away. And I just find all that fascinating, fascinating because he did last night, Evans, something akin to that where he talked about, well, what is my pre-shot free throw routine? And he, he stepped, he did the same exact thing twice. It's great. Yeah, the part of the quote that hits me a little harder, too, is when he mentions that he was thrilled that he could do it with his brothers on the mm-hmm. court. You know, that word mm-hmm. means a hell of a lot more. And I, and I don't think I'm trying to find meaning where there isn't. I, I, that's, I mean, yeah, that has to be a very special, quiet moment between the team. Maybe not quiet because they're so thrilled they're celebrating. But when they all retreat to the locker room after they leave the raucous arena, which, I mean, again, for the second time in the opening segment, they deserve bravo, students. Holy cow. But when they retreat to their own moment, that's got to be a little extra emotional. Oh, I would think it's incredible. Yeah, great for them that they got to enjoy it. These rarely get regular season games that seem to have the weight of this one, the gravitas of this one, because it is a rival, and that is a very good Miami team, I might add. That's a team that has shocked the conference, given that they were preseason predicted to finish 12th. Now, what a lot of people forget is that the disaster of last season for Miami was all brought on by myriad injuries to this to this team. I mean, most of the players they were counting on last year got hurt. They were down to nobodies, and uh, it showed. They sucked. Uh, I don't know how you could forget that, because if you watch those television broadcasts, that's all it was for 40 minutes of basketball was all the things Miami was without. But that's the thing, is even though we've won seven straight coming into last night, that's a veteran-laden club. We're inexperienced as hell. Uh, it's a huge win for Florida State. It, it's it, it you know again it it warranted the choo choo I think because it puts them in a position now with a winning record in the ACC at three and two. Remember they started zero and two. They're three and two in the ACC now. They're nine and five, which isn't gaudy, but it, you've righted the ship. You've stopped the free flow of uh, blood here. You know you've put a tourniquet on things, and you seemingly are beginning to find a little confidence. And most of the successes you see in athletics, obviously you have to have the requisite skill set, but most of it is predicated on whether or not you step out onto the playing field, the court, whatever it might be, with a degree of confidence that you believe you can win, you can execute what you're trying to do, and I think when you're a young team with moving parts and uncertain roles, it is very easy to step onto a court and not be real sure of yourself, because you're not even sure what your role is yet, what's being asked of you. You're trying not to make mistakes because you're learning a defense that is very complicated, I might add. So there are a lot of things that this team, the moving parts we speak of, uh, is going through. And to, to get it figured out and to get it, you know, you want a result. You need a result. It's not just about figuring out roles and working with each other and figuring out minutes and all that. You need a result. And the last two games, they've gotten the results. The thing is, I found kind of an inner peace, not not through uh, meditation per se, but last Damn night, it! I was going to pick your brain. Because, no, well, you see some of the mistakes they make, which is they secure a turnover, they give it right back. Um, we, we do need, I think, in practice to put a buzzer on the line, like any, any out-of-bounds line around the court. We step on that line. Could be the sideline or the baseline far too often. Habitual line steppers, Tom! John Butler might be the, uh, the leading... <laughs> Candidate for people who have stepped out of bounds while they have the ball in their hands this season, I think across the country, and then Jalen Worley misses the two big free throws, and and it went uh, you know FSU viral, quasi viral after the game that he went right back on the court and started working on his free throws because that's a big situation you can't miss those. Right. But I came to kind of a, an internal piece that hey, when when you're dealing with this much inexperience, these kinds of stupid things that would not be tolerated three or four seasons ago, even two seasons ago. You kind of have to live with them because we're asking a lot 
of these players. To your point, mm-hmm. not just about defensive rotations, but just massive amounts of responsibility for all, for all these players that they haven't really been saddled with. Even Mills, Mills hasn't dealt with this level, and and that you can see the inconsistencies uh, in his wild, game. Wild, wild swings. I, I texted you last night because I thought maybe the TV broadcast was saying something that I was unaware of in the arena. I was like, why is he sitting for? Uh, Eons. Yeah, the bulk of the second half. Well, yeah. I mean, like I was getting angry by the minute, and I. This may shock some of you out here. I'm somewhat of an impatient human being, and when I don't have an answer and I can't deduce what's happening, and I'm not at a place where I can hear an input from somebody on the court who maybe has insight to this. It drives me nuts, and each minute that goes by, it drives me more nuts. And so then I texted Tom, and was like, "Hey, man!" You texted twice. I was trying to find an answer because there was nothing on the broadcast. You could see him around the bench on the bench, and I was looking to see if anybody on our side or any you know there was maybe uh, an update from Chuck Walsh as he was walking around press row. No, there was nothing. So I think it was just based on performance and and rotation because I mean he was two for the world and it. The offense looked completely out of sync because they were trying to run it through him, but Miami did such a good job of, of having two bodies thrown at Caleb throughout the game. We weren't making shots off of it. It was kind of a black hole, so yeah. it was okay. No, no, I get it. I, I thought it could very well be performance-related. I, I did. I thought it could be the simplest explanation. I mean, I do you know fall back on that, obviously, uh, most of the time, but... Given what he had just done, I thought he had maybe earned a little extra leeway to figure it out. And we're going through a stretch where we couldn't score. And right. I'm going, yeah. well, there is a guy who, when he's right, is a bona fide scorer. The thing that we're sitting over there that is going to really frustrate all of us, <laughs> impatient or not, <laughs> is that on the glass, we're going to have trouble. Oh, like, that's that, all that year. That final possession. What I hated about the, the, uh, the Charlie Moore the kid. Three, yeah, yeah, the three. The th- it's the third opportunity. A little 5'11 ass. <laughs> yeah, but we're all, you look at the replay and you see all of our bodies that are around the basket. We aren't very tall in that moment. There are three, four players, and they're all about the same height. But what pisses me off about that is Malik got his big shot. That was Malik's big moment. You know, and I wanted that for him because he's playing through injury. Yeah, he hit it's, the three, yeah. It, it's clear as day that he's playing through injury, and he had the chance against South Carolina. And he had a chance earlier in this game in that second half to hit a big three, and, and neither of them went. He's had a lot of big moments like that where the ball just didn't go for him. This one did, and it contributed to the win, but I would have liked for that to be the exclamation. But little did I know, 30 seconds later, we got a better exclamation point and a better story. Well, here's the deal. The, the, the sequence that leads to Florida State winning over the final two minutes of the game. Okay, so we're down 61-58. to 58. The final two minutes of this basketball game is one in which your seniors make all of the winning plays. Anthony Polite grabs an offensive rebound. He gets fouled. He makes the free throws. Check. That's senior number one. Malik Osborne is left wide open. Left wing, three-point to beat the shot clock, the moment you're referencing. Just after missing one off of a Mills double team that was wide open. So that's a big, big All play. right. So he hits that one to put us up 63-61. Check. Then you get the crazy scramble, unfortunately, and credit to the kid who I just obviously besmirched. Charlie Moore hits the three, and I'm thinking he F him. He a lot him. of threes last Yes, night. he did. And I'm thinking F him, and damn it. But guess what happens? The trifecta where the seniors save the day. Evans gets this rebound and go, you know, and comes down the floor and races down the floor to get to the hoop and gets a whistle. Get, 
Well, he's fouled. Actually, you can see that. Uh, there's two. There's two replays. The one of them is the correct call. He gets his elbow. He does. Um, and so when he when he gets fouled there, you know that's the trifecta. Your seniors stepping up, making heady plays in huge moments. Leonard Hamilton has to be over the moon. Oh, yeah, that's a is. that's a team win. That's a big moment for a kid that he adores, that he absolutely loves in Raekwon Evans. Uh, it's a great moment for those kids because they too love Raekwon Evans and know what he's been through. And then obviously it's a great moment for Raekwon. But the program gets a win that, you know, listen, most years you would say, I mean, we have won eight in a row over Miami. Most years you just go, oh, good, we beat Miami because that's what the hell we do. But this year it is different because this team is having to fight for everything and they've got an awful long way to go and they had to find a way to scratch and claw and come up big and different guys did in the most critical of moments. That's a talking point from Monday, which is you're going to get run out of the gym with this team some nights because you don't have the experience and and there are basic flaws in the construction of the team through departures of Balsa and others that you just can't overcome. So there are going to be some nights where there's nothing you could do about it. So you got to get the wins when you're in them. When you're in them, when you're in them, you got to close. And last night was one of those. And you're right, with two minutes to go down three, I'm thinking, oh, you've got to find. Is there a way? way. Is there? And there was. Yeah, there was. It was glorious. Jeff Cameron, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Balls, big Wednesday. Fresh off a big win. We're just vibing with Metallica. That's all we're doing. Uh, you know, so, so it's weird about that, by the way. Uh, here's here's the, the thing about age. Anybody that hears that now, it doesn't make an impression on them. Because... That form of music, if you will, back then, speed metal, as it was known, uh, has been done by thousands of bands since. Um, And so a lot of people, certainly in their 20s, maybe even in their 30s, have always known of the genre. But alas, your boy is so old that I was here for the invention of. (laughs) And remember the first time I ever heard any of that, whether it be Slayer or Metallica, and thinking, what is this? This is amazing. These guys have no care for the rules. Yeah, the proof that advertising works, the first Metallica song I ever heard, is, I had to learn them backwards, was Enter Sandman, which you loathe. Well, it was because it was a spot during a lightning game in the Thunderdome in 1994 there you or 95. Go, the old Thunderdome, baby. And it was for 98 Rock, and it was like a little 30 second thing. I was like, sure. what song is that? And and uh, my sister's boyfriend, who, who we went with, had the CD. So I played sure. that. I was like, oh. So this was amazing. And then he started working. Then when back. I discovered Ride the Lightning, I was like, what in the hell is this? Ride the Lightning, Kill Them All, Garage Days Revisited, yeah, all yeah. those records. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so I, I can still remember the first time any of us put that on a record player, and you're like, well, goodness, the rules do not apply to these gentlemen. They're going as fast as they'd like to go. It's up to us to try to keep up. 
Pat, thank you. He writes, uh, speaking of basketball at Jay Cameron Show, I want to hear about the young phenom running up and down the court on the Tallahassee Middle School scene. Uh, He's referencing, is my friend Pat Burnham, uh, the fact that my son Bryce made the basketball team at his school, and I'm proud of him. So congratulations, Bryce. Uh, he won't. He maybe will hear this after school, perhaps. But yeah, if he's uh, listening now, he's in trouble. Yes, that would be a problem. Uh, he did. He did make the basketball team, and I, I think there was some trepidation there from both Bryce and uh, well, me. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's happened, so I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, so yeah, that's that's good news. Now that's I get a big to, moment. It is a big moment. Yeah, now I get to be nervous. You know, each week. I don't. I already know. How I handle these things. That's why, like, in, for baseball or any league that my kids play in, Clark played basketball in City League, um, and I, I, I like to be distra- distracted. Luckily, the league that Clark played in, uh, Charlie Ward's kid played in, and I would just go talk to Charlie because I want to be distracted from watching him. I don't want to watch him. <laughs> I do, and I don't. So I had to dig this up from the uh, the briefcase we brought over, so to speak. From the old place because we haven't we haven't used it on these airways, but here we go. All right, way to go, Donnie! Yeah, first yeah, of its kind here there, on these airways. There, so there you, you go. go. That is good. You know that the requisite amount of time has passed between viewings of uh, the Big Lebowski that I'm comfortable this weekend sitting down and firing up the Big Lebowski again. There you go. All right. Well, here's the thing. What's that time? Three weeks? No, 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 no. It's been over a year. Well, been over. Okay, a year. You got to get on that. Yeah, I got to get on it. Yeah, it's been over a year. Like my the 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 ten or so movies that remain uh, staples, like the, the ones that you're going to return to time and again. And everybody's got their personal list. Uh, you you got to be careful with those lists because I don't care what your ten are, uh, likely inferior to my ten, but whatever they might be, <laughs> I don't want you to get sick of them. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. You you got to be careful. That's, you can cross a line. Yep. Oh, but then you become spooky later in life. Speaking because of which, over the line. There it is. My uh, my wife was flipping through. This is like a, two years ago. And the Michael Keaton Batman comes on. And I make the sound effects that happen in sequence before oh, they happen. wow. And she's like, what in the hell? Well, the, I was six. You were that age. And it was my favorite yeah. movie. I could tell you everything. Like, it was the scene in the chemical factory. So... Uh, all the like, bam, bam, all the noises, and I was like, "Jesus!" Because that's when Jack Nicholson gets yeah. lifted up by Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, you don't want to get there with your adult movies. <laughs> you can with well, Lebowski has so many incredible, piercing one-liners that, and and of course, the beauty of Lebowski is that many views later, you go back and you'll find it's something else. You're like, "Oh, look at that in the background! I never caught that before." There's all these cookies, all these little moments. Where you're like, "Oh, that." That's well done, well played. You know, it could be a sign, could be whatever it might be. But there's that in a comedy that's rare. Whereas, like No Country for Old Men, you're aware of the existential crisis that they're addressing, but you're also aware of the foreshadowing with the way things are placed, whether it be uh, oh, yeah. bushes or a tree or what you know, how it is. Right? Yeah, it's so, a lot more subtle than, say, uh, The Departed, where oh, you know right. about the X. There's it, an X that appears on a screen before somebody dies, the scene before somebody dies. But it's like, if you know that, you're like, oh, oh my God, it's like, so obvious. It so, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. No. no, Country for Old Men is much deeper than that. It is uh, very much like you're going to have to look between the lines and then some. But you do, and you're like, ah, oh, that's well done, you guys. Always. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about Florida State football, but I prattled on about my favorite movie, so I'll do it here in a moment. We'll come back. We'll talk about 
what may or may not happen with the coaching staff and also the transfer portal. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. All right, way to go, Donnie! Yesterday on Seminole Headlines, we briefly touched on some of the rumors. Uh, Gene Williams, Warchant.com, addressed some of this yesterday about the the buzz surrounding the program as it pertains to the coaching staff. And obviously Ron Dugan's contract, wide receiver coach and former Seminole great Ron Dugan's uh, as a player, and that's why he's beloved by most Knowles, but also has, uh, I think, probably been the subject of much ire over the last two years as well. Um, and he's a guy that his contract is, is going to expire next month. It hasn't been renewed, so you can deduce logically he's being told to have a good day. Given this opportunity at the coaches' conventions that's going on right now this week to find another job, that's what's likely happening, I would think, as is the likelihood that uh, Florida State's coaches are, at least the ones that will be here, like Mike Norvell in particular, looking for uh, a said replacement or a way to navigate uh, an adjustment to his staff. Gene posited that perhaps uh, what you would see is running backs coach David Johnson getting moved to receivers coach uh, if Ron Dugans moves on. And, of course, he did coach wide receivers at the University of Tennessee. He did so at Memphis as well, so it's not something he hasn't done. Uh, and then at that point, uh, you know, you would see who does Florida State then look at at running backs coach. The bottom line is when we're talking about running backs coaches – or wide receiver coaches, frankly, uh, we, we were, we we're talking about a, st- a part of the staff that needs to bring in players more than they do teach the position. Um, you know, I, I quoted Jimbo Fisher yesterday who once said, if I have to teach you how to run a ball and you're a running back and I have to teach you how to run, then I shouldn't be recruiting you. Uh, so most running backs come here ready-made. They're running backs. They they learn the offense. Yeah, and they get you might a, learn a subtlety yeah, about how to yeah, sell something. Right, you know, but, right. Yeah. But so so what, my point is the old. What is it you say you do here? Well, if the answer is I'm a running backs coach, it means that you're not teaching guys how to run, but rather you're recruiting the guys who do, and you better go bring them in with great consistency and and or whatever other position you're responsible for, or players you're responsible for, or parts of the state you're responsible for, whatever it might be. You've got to steady be bringing in people, and our current receivers coach is not doing that. In fact, he's, he's, he's failed, at least in terms of recruiting high school kids to come here. Well, and in reading that update from Gene on, on the WarChant boards, uh, members can see it. But, you know, that's that's some of the perks of being uh, now part of the WarChant yeah. family, right, yeah, and being yeah. a member, is uh, that we can talk about these things. That final sentence or two is the biggest part to me, where it says that Michael Alford has clearly increase the piggy bank for coach Norvell's staff right you know to to expand to make sure it's fortified it's competitive good it seems like the new ad has taken the reins and said we need more money in the football program so here is your allowance mike norvell it's gone up you've gotten a raise in terms of spending elsewhere love it reading love that quote it. is that there have been rumblings that new ad michael alford has significantly bumped Mike Norvell's budget to beef up the staff. That's how that reads, and that is a great thing, too. Critical. Yes, yes. And, you know, when you hear of of rumors that perhaps there would be a chance that Georgia's running backs coach, Del McGee, uh, might be coming on board, 
couple things come to mind. First of all, you, you read into it and you find out that he has obviously strong ties to the state of Georgia and high school coaches there. And, you know, he coached at Georgia Southern and UGA, so that would make sense. Good, good. There's plenty of good players there. Good to know that. All right, fine. But you would ask yourself, why would one leave the reigning national champions to come to Florida State? Well, usually the answer to that question is uh, an increase in pay, first and foremost, is something that would have to be on the table for him. And then secondarily, usually it's because it's not a lateral move, but rather one that holds more responsibility, such as a co-title, being a co-offensive coordinator or whatever that might be. That is why a guy of that stature would leave a program of that stature to come here. And if that's true... Good news for us. I'd like to see it. Um, you know, McGee worked with Lanning at Georgia. Mike, and obviously there are connections with Lanning. So you, you call, you ask, you do your due diligence, you ask about him, find out some things. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense in terms of reading tea leaves and, and coaching connections is how Jermaine Johnson landed here was the relationship between Mike Norvell and Dan Lanning. So that would all make sense. But, again, what's most important to me there is that if you're going to be offering a co-offensive coordinator title – then that makes this job more enticing to anybody because that should be a position, like, as you're talking about, it's a promotion. Yeah. It's a promotion to the position. We have more money. We have a better title to offer you so that you can continue to climb the ranks in your own career. Okay, so now you've just made us a hell of a lot more attractive than we would be by our record the last three or four seasons or the uncertainty that could be coming around you know, a 2020-2021 year with Mike Norvell and you're saying, is he going to be on the hot seat? Is this the right move for me in my life? Well... I get a bump, and I get a I get a, a promotion. Okay, that offsets my concerns about what Florida State's win loss record has been the last couple of years. Let's hear what they have to say. Ooh, I like the interview. Let's. I'm going down to Tallahassee. Let's get it done. You know what's interesting, by the way. Um, we're talking about this because of the desperation we all feel to see this program take yet another step forward and get that much closer to being relevant in the conference, relevant on the national scene, relevant to a college football playoff, relevant to a New Year's Six Bowl, relevant period, right? And I got done reading an article this morning in The Athletic about the fact that uh, more than half of the preseason poll this year finished unranked for the first time since 1967, and that's back when they only had 10 teams in the damn poll. So that's pretty damn amazing, right? I am curious because it shows what's possible for the teams that weren't ranked that did find their way into those rankings. That's where we would sit, okay? And then those that are, obviously not a foregone conclusion, you correctly guessed one of those right from the jump. And I'll give you your credit because that was North Carolina. Unbelievable. Who actually finished sub-500. Now... That, those are my futures bets this season. I see the uh, the college sportsbook video that has you touting Georgia at plus 800 or 900. And Utah. And Utah. I had futures bets on NC State over 7.5. I did too. And North Carolina under 6.5. And, and those done. were Yeah, so I own that state. The triangle is my state of North Carolina. Needs to hear from Tom Lang on the regular. Maybe as we work back over bellying up, you can start giving your North Carolina predictions on a weekly basis. Oh, Jeff, this week I'm feeling like... My next one Coastal Carolina is gonna... under an equal share for Wake Forest in <laughs> ACC television dollars. That's that's my next one. So give it some thought. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want you, because I like putting you on the spot, it's, in, it's more interesting for me, but it's also fun because I play off of it. I want you to think of the teams that were preseason ranked, some of them fairly highly. I'll give you a clue. Two of them were in the top ten that finished the season unranked. I want you to be able to name them. Oh, boy, homework. Now, you're going to name some. You're going to get some right off the bat. I'm just kind of curious how many you get. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So preseason teams that finished the season unranked that were ranked before they kicked it off, college football, as we look back on the season that crowns Georgia, your national champions. All right, Tommy, where do you want to start? Okay, I gave you North Carolina already. I gave you North Carolina well, in you August. Did. You gave everybody North Carolina uh, in August. And they were preseason ranked 18th. They finished the year 6-7 and seven unranked. Now. It falls yeah, upon like eleventh, but okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you, we can quibble about a tenth or an eleventh. No, I just yeah. I, yeah. Uh, no, um, uh, Jimbo A and M. That sure. is correct. They were preseason ranked sixth in the country. They have thrown billions of dollars at their football program and their football coach, and they finished the season unranked. That'll hurt your feelings. Next, Clemson. Clemson was ranked. They actually Clemson ended up having a fine season. I think they went eleven and three okay. when it was all said and done. Um, didn't uh, look good doing it, but they didn't. Okay. Um, I'm kind of out of obvious guesses already. Oh, Iowa State, buddy, who I love to rip uh, okay. because people prattle on about their illustrious head coach. They were preseason ranked in the top ten, which screamed to me to be bogus. Uh, I, I thought shenanigans and many other things. They were seventh in the country at the start of the season. They finished the year seven and six, unranked. Uh, yes. Uh, LSU? Uh, LSU, that is correct. Okay. They finished sub-500. They were preseason ranked 16th. Was UCLA preseason ranked? UCLA was not preseason ranked. They were on the cusp of being ranked, okay. but they were not. USC, however, was oddly preseason ranked. Uh, they finished with a strong 4-8 and eight count. Washington? Washington is correct. All right. I first warned everybody that Coach Lake didn't seem destined to remain uh, as head coach at Washington. I have a soft spot in my heart for that university. Uh, unfortunately, I turned out to be right. They were preseason in the top 20. They finished 4-8, and eight, and he got fired. Texas? Yes, yes. Right. Uh, better at this than I thought. Uh-huh. They are. Well, it just takes a few moments. They uh, obviously sucked. They went 5-7. and seven. Yeah. They did indeed. Um, bad radio to just say um and not have an answer. I'm going to give you it. something here. All right, please You do. play to win the game. Oh, Hello. the Sun Devils. Yeah, that's right. We need to change from a center. Arizona State was We leave the center, we become a winner. <laughs> Just calls the Suns. Eight and five, unranked. One you'll never get, Coastal Carolina. Started the year 22nd. They fell out of the top 25 despite going 11 and two. Were the Raging Cajuns part of the list? They were not. All right. Uh, Wisconsin, fraudulent. Oh, wow. Preseason 12th, finished nine and four. The University of Florida, preseason ranked 13th, Tom. Finished six and seven. I so, forgot they were ranked. Oh well, they certainly looked they like fell a so team. far so fast. When they narrowly lost to Alabama and had the tide on the ropes, they not only improved their ranking and didn't fall, but moved into the top ten, only to finish six and seven unranked. The University of Miami is another one at preseason top fourteen. 
Remember, they all oh, we got our quarterback back. I'm like, eh, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Seven and five. Quarterback was holding the clipboard all season mm-hmm. long. You didn't know it until about October. The one that fell from uh, the highest uh, platform would have been Indiana, who for whatever reason, you know, had a great COVID season. The coach is beloved because of his aw shucks sort of demeanor. They ranked Indiana, did the pollsters, in the top 20. I remember raising an eyebrow about that. They finished 2-10. and 10. They were a 2-10 and 10 football team. Was Nebraska ranked? No. Okay. No. I right. uh, didn't Penn, go that far. Penn State was. And grand opening, grand closing. They lost six times this year. Six. And he just got his Jimbo contract. Yeah. He, uh, they were preseason top 20. Finished out of the top it's, 25 by You a owe me everything. I owe you nothing if I leave contract for James Franklin. <laughs> well, they didn't finish in the top 25. So the teams, again, just as we put a ribbon on it and move on, Texas A&M, Iowa State, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Florida, Miami, Southern Cal, LSU, Indiana, Penn State, Washington, Texas, Coastal Carolina, and Arizona State. After this big haul in uh, the transfer portal, and maybe some more names to come, is Florida State ranked at any point next season? Just one week? Yes. Okay. That's music. I have other tidbits that are interesting about this season that was. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com